As you're being seated, go ahead and find your Bibles. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today, Romans chapter 12 and the first two verses. Now, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you had a therefore moment in life? Now, what I'm talking about by a therefore moment is one of those times where there's been a whole bunch of buildup, and then there's the event, and then the question is, well, what's next? So you met... You had a storybook romance. You walked down the aisle. You said, I do. You went on your honeymoon, and then you came home. And then there's the question, what's next? You've been raising your kids for 25 years. You've been raising kids. You have the gray hairs, the million miles on your SUV, and the collection of bleacher pads in the garage to prove it. You've sat through all sorts of games, and now graduation's occurred, and you're about to be an empty nester. What's next? These are the therefore moments in life, and the therefore moments in life in many ways will define your life, how you react to those moments. They become the definition of our story. So look with me to Romans chapter 12 today. The passage that we're going to look at begins with a therefore moment. The Bible says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So the verse begins with a therefore moment. And to understand what it's there for, we need to go way, way back in time. Go back beyond the Cowboys' last playoff lost. Go back beyond the day on which you were born. Go back beyond 1776, beyond the Middle Ages, beyond the Roman or Egyptian Empires, you need to go beyond the Garden of Eden and creation itself to eternity pass. And we find that in eternity pass, God made a decision. He made a decision that He was going to create, knowing in His foreknowledge that His creation would fall into sin and be in need of redemption. And so God made a decision that the eternal Son of God would be born of a virgin and would live a life that you and I could never live. He would live a life that would not experience sorrow, would not demonstrate sin in its attitudes or action. And His Son would be betrayed, He would be arrested, He would be beaten, and He would be crucified. But the death of His Son would not merely be the death of a good teacher who held to His cause all the way to the point of His death. The death of Christ, of God's Son, would be an atoning sacrifice where Jesus would die on the cross for the sins of you and me, absorbing the wrath of a holy God upon sin into himself, take that wrath into the grave, and the grave would not be able to contain it because the Son of God would rise again and he would invite anyone who believes in him in faith to be his forever and ever to be found not guilty in the eyes of God and to be with God for all eternity, to be His. That is the story of the gospel. And it's the story of the gospel that precedes the therefore moment that Paul writes about right here. 
That's what it's there for because he's talking about this is where we have arrived in the story. Did you know that before you were ever born, before you were ever created, God had a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life? God has a story for you. Sometimes it seems like the will of God is a little bit elusive. Stacy and I, whenever we first got married, we, we had a Labrador retriever. Her name was Darcy. You could call her Darcy the Darter. Because Darcy is one of those dogs that when you open the front door and you didn't have her secure, she was gone, right? Anybody ever have a dog like that? So I remember one night, it's cold night, the door opens, Darcy flies out, and I am now on chase mode. So, you know, I get my shoes on, I get a leash, I'm chasing after her, and I get, I get down to the elementary school, and I'm getting close to her, and I'm like, okay, come here, Darcy, and I get close, she's gone again, and I chase her again, and same thing happens, and no one's ever experienced that, right? Chasing after a dog. And so finally, I get this idea, I get the leash, and, um, and I, I basically go, hey, Darcy, you want to go for a walk? And you would not believe this. That crazy dog came to me at that time. <laughs> Something flipped in her mind, and she said, okay, I'll go for a walk. And so I, I put the leash on her and took her right on back home. <laughs> but I think sometimes we, we chase the will of God around trying to catch it. In fact, I think sometimes people live their entire lives trying to chase and catch this mysterious thing that we call the will of God, and you have a hard time ever finding it. Yet the Bible tells us right here that you can find the will of God, and it is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. So you say, well, how? How do I find the will of God? Well, look at the verse. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual worship. Now, look at the screen here because there's two words that I, I want you to pull out here. First of all, I want you to pull out the word living. And the second thing I want you to pull out is the word worship. Living worship. Let's say that together, okay? Living worship. The therefore moment here is that because Jesus presented his body to God as an atoning sacrifice, you and I are to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Jesus died so that you may live. When you begin to grasp the magnitude of this, it transforms your life. It causes you to never truly be the same. Jesus died so that I may live. And so God calls us here to live our lives with living worship. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. We'll talk a little bit about what that means. And this is your spiritual worship. So the spiritual discipline that we're talking about today is living worship. Living worship. And let's ask this question. What does living worship look like? What does it look like? Well, right now, you are in a worship service, right? A worship service. In a worship service, we practice the spiritual disciplines of worship. So, several things that we're practicing right now. One, 
we're gathering together with God's people. The book of Hebrews says that we should not forsake the assembling together, that the church should come together. And there is a humbling factor whenever you come together and you're part of the body and you're worshiping with other believers. We come out of our lives, we come out of our homes, we come from different backgrounds with different stories, and we come together to worship our Lord. That's a spiritual discipline. Another spiritual discipline that we employ each week is we drink coffee. Well, that's not really a spiritual discipline, but I thought it's something we often do. But here's a third one. We sing. Whenever you sing, it's the language of the soul. And so it's a spiritual discipline where you are praising God. What we did earlier in the service, whenever we pray, that is a spiritual discipline of worship. Whenever we study the Scripture and we open the Word of God and we see God's truth, that is a spiritual discipline. When we take the offering at the end of the service and we give of our financial resources to the kingdom of God, that is a spiritual discipline. And you may not even realize this, but then we go home... And we live out what we've learned. And that, too, is a spiritual discipline. So what is the evidence that we've worshipped? When this service of worship is over, what's the evidence that you and I have worshipped? You go home and you say, man, I really loved that last song that the band did. I I felt the spirit there and, you know, I just felt a stirring in my soul and and I loved that song. Does that mean that you've worshipped? You go home and you say, well, I only had to have two cups of coffee to stay awake through that sermon today. That was pretty good. I I, I like that. And and you go home and you say, I I liked the lesson today. I liked the sermon. Does that mean that you've worshipped? You go home and you say to your wife, did you see Frankie and his wife Avalon today? Didn't they look great and they're doing so well? I just love seeing our friends. And you go home and you've seen your friends. Does that mean that you have worshipped? Hear this. True worship is living worship. So you have an encounter with God, and His truth leads you to have a changed heart and a changed life. An encounter with God leads you to living worship. And the evidence of the fact that you've encountered God is seen in the way in which you live your life. And so Paul says to us that we are to present our bodies, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, and that when we do this, this is our spiritual worship. And then he gives us a specific action. Make sure you stick with me here, okay? Look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to discern or prove what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. When I was on the high school track team, Coach Mark had this one particularly torturous workout that he would have us do once a week. We would run the hill. It was a quarter mile in length to the top of the hill, and it was steep. And so we would sit there at the bottom of the hill. We had to run this like eight times in a, in a practice. And Coach Mark, he would get up at the top of the hill. And it was like Moses, you know. He would raise his arms, and, and then he would drop them. And when he dropped his arms, we had to start running. And so we would start trucking up that hill. 
And, and as we started getting to the top of the hill and we were hallucinating and just trying to stay alive, uh, we, we would see Coach Mark up there and we were like, Coach Mark, we're coming for you. We're coming for you, Coach Mark. And then you know what that guy would do? He would start moving backwards. Oh, he would move the finish line on. After a while, he started playing with your mind. It started messing with you. Have you ever had somebody try to play mind games with you? You ever had that happen? Somebody try to play a mind game with you? How, how does it make you feel when somebody messes with your mind? People who play mind games will always try to get you to think about worldly things rather than spiritual things, particularly in the, in the Christian realm. Let's take you out of the Scripture. Let's take you out of prayer. Let's take you out of the heavenly realm, and let's bring you down into the earthly realm. Now, if you think about our society... There are a lot of people who are trying to control how you think. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. How many Rams fans do we have in the house today? Okay, is there any Patriot fans in the, in the house today? Okay, oh, okay, there's a couple. How many of you are rooting for good commercials? Okay, good commercials. Okay. Did you know that for a 30-second spot in the Super Bowl, Commercial, it cost over $5 million for that commercial. $5 million plus dollars. Now, why? Why is it that advertisers will spend that kind of money on a commercial? Because they're hoping to get you to conform to a mindset. And the mindset is this, I, I need this. I have to keep up. So I need to spend, 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 because my happiness will be found in the things of life. This is very ironic. Our culture encourages us to be ourselves by chasing after the things that everyone else is chasing after. But now look at the scripture here in verse 2. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this age. Rather, be transformed. How am I going to be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Here is one of the things that I love about being a follower of Christ. He doesn't call me to be like everyone else. The call of Christ is not to conformity, but to transformation. But now notice, where is the battle between living worship and dying despair fought? The battleground is your mind. What needs to occur, if you're going to experience the good and perfect, the satisfying, maturing will of God, if you're going to be a living sacrifice, you need to realize that there is going to be a battle that takes place in your mind. A battle between good and evil, a battle between the heavenly and the earthly, a battle between God's will and the will of the evil one. Your thoughts shape your values, and your values shape your life. Look around. We live in a great place. We have every amenity imaginable where we live. Where else could you live where you can get chicken and frozen yogurt on every corner? It's wonderful. You don't just have one mattress store from which to choose. There's like 10 mattress stores all around us. But have you ever really stopped and watched people? Watch them when they stop moving. Watch them when the action slows down. Maybe when they're in line at the grocery store or when there's nothing to do. Do they look happy? Do they look happy? Living worship thinks differently. 
Living worship refuses to be like everybody else. Instead, it stops and it seeks the mind of Christ. Maybe you're wrestling with something big in your life right now. Living worship goes to the Lord and says, God, help me to see this from your perspective. Help me to be able to discern what is good and what is your will. This series on spiritual disciplines is so important because it's through spiritual disciplines that God renews our mind. It's through the spiritual disciplines that God gives you perspective on life. The spiritual disciplines in and of themselves, they don't grow you spiritually. God has to do a work within you. It has to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. But people who are growing spiritually, they practice the spiritual disciplines. They seek godly perspective. It's why you need to spend time every day of your life reading God's Word. It's why it's so valuable for you just to slow down long enough to talk to God in prayer. To practice the Sabbath principle where you turn off the noise and you listen to the Holy Spirit. To spend quality time with other believers who are spiritually minded so that together as we seek the Holy Spirit individually, we sharpen one another in our pursuit of God. The will of God is rarely found in a moment of epiphany. Rather, the will of God is usually found day by day when you present your life to God in living worship. And it's in those moments of living worship that God begins to transform our mind and we begin to see the world through the perspective of the Holy Spirit and our life finds the goodness of His will. So the passage says, do not be conformed to this age. Don't be like everybody else. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Here is the end result of our spiritual worship. The good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The the will of God is not some mysterious thing that you chase and you try to capture. The mysterious will will of God is something that you can experience. And whenever you find it, you discover that the will of God is good. Living in God's will, there's a a goodness to it. We're making a change in the Banks house right now as we start the new year. We looked at our family and we we discovered that in the busyness of life, uh, that we had kind of fallen into a very common trap. We were eating way too many chicken nuggets, pizzas, and mac and cheese. You know, the best food comes out of boxes and bags, right? Yeah, right? And, and it's easy. All of us do it. We just get, we get busy, and not all of us, but there's, there's some of y'all are health nuts. But anyway, uh, most of us do it. We kind of fall into those traps from time to time. And so we decided we need to start serving some good food. And so we started serving good food. And at first, we'd put the food out there in front of the kids, and they'd go, ugh, no. And there was a momentary hunger strike that kind of went through our house. Uh, But eventually, they got hungry, and so they started eating. And and, and now, Stacy will make something, we'll put it on the table, and and the kids are kind of blowing our minds. They're like, this is so good. This is awesome. And they're like eating more and more and more. Like, thank you, Mom, for making this. And, And, you know, sometimes we feast on earthly things so often that that's all we know. 
It just seems like this is life. This, this is what, it's what everybody else is doing. We're all busy. We're all doing this. This is just what everybody else is doing. And we're just feasting on these earthly things. And sometimes we just forget how good the will of God really is. When our mind has been transformed to see things from God's perspective and to experience the joys of God, we take it in and we're like, this is good. The Scripture also says that God's will is pleasing. Now what that means is that the will of God is truly satisfying. Most of life is a continual pursuit of cravings that are never satisfied. We desire physical intimacy. We desire money. We desire food, power, experiences. And many live their entire lives chasing after these things. And within all of these things, there is goodness. There's nothing wrong with finding intimacy with your spouse. There's nothing wrong with uh, becoming financially secure. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a good meal or achieving a success level in your career or going on a nice vacation and having great experiences. But we must realize that the appetites for these things will never be satisfied because within our human nature, as soon as we achieve one, we desire it again or we desire more. And so if we spend our entire life chasing after that, we're always going to be hungry. The way to be continually unsatisfied is to live your life continually chasing unsatisfying things. But whenever we surrender to grace, when our mind is renewed, when we start living a life of living worship, we begin to find the satisfaction of knowing God and knowing His will. Thirdly, God's will is perfect. What that means is complete, mature, that the will of God is not lacking anything, that it will be brought to an end. I want you to remember this. There is a reason for your life. You are not an accident. God creates on purpose for a purpose. Before you were ever born, the God of the universe knew you And he had a will for your life that as a follower of Christ, you would be conformed to the image of God, to the image of Christ. That your life would reflect Christ to those around you. There's a reason why you're here. And God desires for your life to bring the glory that it was created, to bring glory to him. That's why you were created. You know what? The story that God is writing for your life is so much better than the story that you write. Sometimes I write out the script for my own life, and I'm like, okay, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And then I'm like, okay, God, here's my script. Can, can you do this? Anybody else ever do that? Lord, here's my story. Now you need to jump in and start doing what I want. God says, give me that script. Give me that. I'm going to tear that up because you know what? I'm writing a story for your life, and the story that I'm writing is better than anything you can ever imagine. You say, but my life has suffering. My life has struggle. Do you realize that God is using that suffering and struggle for his glory in ways that will grow you and mature you? And so the called person, the person who loves God, takes his or her circumstances and gives those to the sovereign God who can take any circumstance in life and work it for your good and his glory. And you focus on your purposes. And as you focus on the purposes that God has called you to, you begin discovering that God can use your life, no matter what the stage, no matter what career you have, what spiritual gift you have, God can use your life in ways that you never imagined. Focus on your purposes. Live a life of worship. 
And God will lead you to His good, pleasing, and perfect will. My friends, we live in a world full of similar people trying to make ourselves unique by pursuing empty things. And our Savior says, pursue me, and I'll make your world unique. Therefore, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, that means pure, godly, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? It could be that in some of our lives today, the what's next moment needs to be that step of salvation. Maybe there's never been a time in your life where you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that needs to be what's next for you. I'm here at the front. My wife is here. If there's anything that we can pray with you about, it's always our joy to pray with you. If today needs to be your day of salvation, come see me. I'll be up front during this next song. I'll be here right after the service as well. would love to talk to you. If you have questions, we can work through those questions because I want you to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. As our heads are bowed, we reflect upon the Scripture that we've just studied. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have called us to a life of living worship. And I pray that you will help us to present our bodies, to present ourselves before you as a living sacrifice. And I pray that our lives might be holy and pleasing to our God. And I ask, Lord, that you might renew our minds so that we see things as you see them. And Father, I pray that you will lead us to the will of God so that we might experience it, find joy in its goodness, find the satisfaction of being right in the center of your will. And Lord, I pray that we will never settle for anything less than maturity in Christ. Lord, help us not to be stagnated in our spiritual growth. Lord, help us not to begin thinking that the things of this world are the places of maturity. Instead, Father, help us to have a mind that is able to experience the spiritual world and the truth of your word and to find the maturity that is seen from a godly perspective. So, Lord, I pray that as a church, we will present our bodies as living sacrifices. May this be our act of spiritual worship. May you renew our minds. And, Father, may you use our lives. Lord, I praise you that there is not one life in this room that is beyond the reach of the cross. There's not one life in this room that is an accident. And I praise you that you desire to use each of us for your glory. Help us to find that, to live in that, and to experience its goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.